Coming up on HIGMT, it's all hands on deck as Tesla attempts to reach 500,000 delivered vehicles for 2020, battery day announcements might be coming into effect earlier than expected, and the Model 3 refresh is already underway in Fremont. Welcome to How I Got My Tesla, the podcast of indeterminate length for Saturday, October 10th, 2020, episode 11. In Ottawa, Ontario, I'm Matt Wilson. Let's start off with a few Tesla things you should know. Well, thanks to InsideEVs.com and YouTuber Ryan Shaw, people thinking about getting into a Model Y have a great resource for all things annoying, 17 to be specific. In the YouTube video, Ryan goes over his top 17 things he hates about his Model Y, some of which include the overall visibility, the slowness of the video streaming services, odd rattles and wind noise coming from all areas of the car, and the lack of a dedicated glove box release button. Now, despite having all these issues, Ryan still enjoys his Model Y, so check out the article and the video for more information. Okay, so you may want to get yourself into the Tesla brand conflicted in the way how Elon Musk manages himself. Do you have a viable alternative? Well, according to techtimes.com, you might want to let, take a look at the new Ford Mach-E. Ford recently dropped the price for all four versions of the Mach-E, ranging from $1,000 to $3,000. So that being said, does the Ford Mach-E stack well against Tesla's Model Y? Well, the base architecture for the Mach-E is very similar of that of the Model Y, being an electric sled acting as a main chassis and powertrain. The interiors are also very similar in terms of offering a different driving experience over the typical internal combustion counterparts, with large center screens and overall minimalist interiors and large storage options. For comparison's sake in Canada, the cheapest all-wheel drive Mach-E from Ford comes in at $56,000, while the cheapest all-wheel drive Model Y is a long-range variant for $70,000. Now, if you were to configure the Mach-E to be feature comparable to the Model Y, then the price for the Mach-E jumps from $56,000 to $71,000, and yet it still doesn't have the expected range over the Tesla. Ford's extended range battery option caps out at 475 kilometers, while the Model Y has a range of 509 kilometers. Although I'm interested in the Mach-E as a possible alternative to a Tesla, whatever it is I get, uh, I'm a little worried about the expected service intervals for the Mach-E that Ford will impress upon their drivers solely to prop up their service departments and dealerships. Although unnamed, it would appear that Tesla has selected two contractors for the $1.1 billion Gigafactory Texas site. According to ConstructionDive.com, Tesla is currently looking for additional contractors to fill various jobs within the Gigafactory itself. I really suspect that the two unnamed contractors are actually project managers for the overall construction of the site, possibly one taking care of the exterior infrastructure and another taking care of the building, including interior fit-up. In a move that only makes sense, it would appear that Tesla will not only be making electric vehicles at Gigafactory Texas, but they will also be manufacturing the newly announced 4680 battery cells at the same facility. The story at, from Tesserati.com refers to recent filings to the Texas Commission on Environment Quality, where Tesla has noted it will be operating a cell manufacturing unit to support Gigafactory Texas. I say this makes sense since Gigafactory Texas will need direct access to the new 4680 cells for the production of the Cybertruck and Tesla Semi. As announced in Tesla's Battery Day event, Tesla will be manufacturing the 4680 cells in three different variants which will be used depending on the vehicle application. 
And again, pulling from Tesserati.com, Elon Musk recently tweeted that the new 4680 cells will be not only produced at Gigafactory Berlin, but they will be used as a structural component to the chassis for the Model Y. Elon also noted that the recently tested front and rear castings will be first implemented at Gigafactory Berlin, and that Fremont and Gigafactory Shanghai will be converted to use the same technology in about two years. With this announcement, the full-on rollout and the use of the 4680 cells will be a bit sooner than what was announced at Battery Day, with the implementation being shortened to the first half of 2021. And finally, Elon mentioned the use of the LFP variant of the 4680 cell will be used in their medium-range vehicles and stationary applications. By making the use of the LFP variant, it is expected that the overall cost per kilowatt hour will be substantially reduced and eliminate the use of cobalt. And the push to 500,000 delivered vehicles for 2020 is officially on. Tesla set itself a goal to achieve half a million delivered vehicles in 2020, but that goal was suggested prior to the COVID-related shutdowns in the first half of 2020. Tesla is currently at 320,000 delivered vehicles for, for this year, and thanks to recent drone footage from Gigafactory Shanghai, it would appear that this facility is prepared to produce around 800 vehicles per day. Now, personally, I do suspect that Tesla will come up short of the needed 180,000 additional delivered vehicles by the end of this year. By my calculations, Tesla would need to produce around 1,900 vehicles per day, and I just don't see that happening, seeing that they only have two manufacturing facilities, even if they run them at full capacity. And you can check out the plethora of pictures provided by Tesserati.com. It appears that the refreshed Model 3 is already in production at Tesla's manufacturing plant in Fremont. Of particular interest for Tesla owners to be are the new center console with matte finish and the Chrome Delete. Although not a stated option for the Tesla Canada website, it'll just be a matter of time, I think, when Tesla officially announces the Model 3 refresh. And finally, stopping by Gigafactory Texas, uh, thanks again to Jeff Roberts and his daily drone footage. Appears to be more Megapad preparations for building one through three. You can actually see the outlines uh, now for all three buildings if you look hard enough, and there appears to be GeoPeer work that is continuing to plot along on the site. The lower level excavations inside building three appear to be complete for now, and one of those two areas now has foundation formwork present. Site preparations are continuing to the east of the Megapad area, but I'm not really sure what the eventual use for this area will be. It could be a possible construction staging area for, for the uh, first three buildings. I'm not sure. The overall size of this new area to the east appears to be about the same size as the Megapad area, but in a different configuration. And that should pretty much do it for episode 11. Let's try hashtag race to 500 for this particular episode. And the overall hashtag for this podcast is hashtag H-I-G-M-T. And if you have any feedback for me, feel free to throw me an email at howigotmytesla at gmail.com. As always, you can watch my progress by visiting howigotmytesla.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram by simply searching for... Yes, how I got my Tesla. So thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Matt Wilson and hosted by Squarespace. Music for this episode is Cascade by Cubby.